0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Synapse, Think Tank of the Air, featuring influencers, creatives, and top leaders in the Twin Cities. And now, here is our host, Steve LaValle.
1: Welcome to Synapse Think Tank of the Air. I'm Steve LeBeau, your host, and we have very fashionable people in uh, multiple senses here that uh, we're t- going to be entering the world of fashion, of, for which I feel like an alien from another planet, but we're going to go fashion wise. Let's start. We have here uh, John Pelequin, who's the uh, organizer, I guess, the head honcho organizer of Minnesota Fashion Week. Fashion Week Minnesota, is that right?
2: Um, I'm the co founder of Fashion Week Minnesota, along with us, Sarah Edwards. And we founded Fashion Week MN uh, about three and a half years ago uh, as a platform to help promote the different fashion brands, designers, and uh, fashion makers in the Twin Cities and all the work that they're doing and help bring that, um, bring greater awareness to that.
1: So that we can go beyond being a world of uh, jeans and uh, uh, down coats, trying to get beyond that Minnesota normal.
2: Yeah, and and just, you know, the idea of supporting local fashion and the different, you know, all the amazing local designers and brands that we have here, instead of, uh, you know, just shopping at the mall, like, let's support some local businesses.
1: Right. Some originality. And we have some original people here, born on their own. We have Karen Morris, who's from Hong Kong, I understand. Mm -hmm. And you're a milliner. Yes. Yes. What's a milliner?
3: (laughs) Hi. Um. So I. My name is Karen Morris, and um. Uh, my brand is Karen Morris Millinery. For the um, millinery means um, making uh, ladies' hat. Only. Oh. Yes. Just ladies' just hats. Lady, yes. So you yeah. didn't
1: wear, make the ball cap that uh, Houston was <laughs> <ones> wearing. <laughs> yeah. You so. can
3: go. Uh, I mean, that we call uh, haberdashery.
1: Oh. Yes. Hey. For men's hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're gonna expand our vocabulary here. We yeah. got millinery down. That's ladies' hats, and then we're gonna go to Houston White who um, is wearing a little bit of haberdashery on his head.
4: Yeah, so so my name is Houston White. I'm a kid from North Minneapolis. Um, and I always say fashion started for me in the halls of North Highway. I mean, <laughs> North <laughs> High School, not the highway. The, <laughs> the, the hallway. The, the whole... hallway, the hallway. That, that school was... See,
1: a... I, I think you're thinking of runway. Yeah, yeah. I, you the, know, The, hallway, I mean, was the you. hallway was a runway for you. The hallway was a runway. There were a lot of folks who uh,
4: shied away from coming to that school because, you know, Friends could be harsh. Um, and you know now as a designer, years later, I'm reminded of all the young urban kids who walk up and down the streets. Those, those blocks are runways. And so mm. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from what they're wearing um, and try to show them that they are culture. Um, and how can we take things that they're wearing and elevate them
1: um, in, a, in, a, in a grander sense. Hmm. I was gonna say elevator fashion, but that's not what you meant. Eh, nah. Kinda like uh, the music, the right? Way. It's not so cool. That's <laughs> great. Well, if, if there was any one thing that kind of uh, little story or whatever that turned you toward a life of fashion consciousness, w- what was that? Um, you know, I, I think it's the importance of
4: self-expression. Um, and, you know, I own a barbershop in the inner city, and so I see a lot of times uh, urban kids don't necessarily own um, what they're wearing. You know, they they look outward instead of inward. What do you uh, mean? It, it, so, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and there were a lot of brands that were kind of Eurocentric in nature, sort of like, you know, Polo and Tommy Hilfiger. And these brands exploded because of urban culture, because of LL Cool J and all these rappers who were wearing this stuff. And so at that time, in my opinion, there should have been brands who that emanated from the culture from which it just expanded them immensely. So... For me, it's like I wanted to create a brand that was very urban, that that, that literally a kid can go back and trace the origin story to North High, mm-hmm. to my aunt's basement on 8th and Logan, to growing up when it was called Murderapolis, but still finding some good in that and building on that. So mm-hmm. to really have a unique brand story um, and that the you know people from where I'm from can identify with what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. And do you give haircuts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's part of fashion. We always joke and say if most guys from the urban sector could choose a haircut or a new T-shirt, they choose a the haircut. Because the way your haircut makes you look fresher than a raggedy haircut with a nice new T-shirt. So
1: <laughs> they all kind of combine. They work together, you know. But then uh, haircuts, if you put a hat on, it covers it all up. Uh, uh, Karen, why do you want to cover people's heads? Is that a statement?
3: Well, actually, I think um, hex, uh has have been uh, a long history already you know so just uh enter to 70s and people just stop uh, wearing the hats you know and i think um hat is a kind of uh represent your character you know so and so that's why i think um we should wear more hats.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of fun to wear hats. I mean, we, we had uh, one of those royal weddings a few months ago. Yeah. And there was nothing but hats. And then the queen has this huge hat, and and it's it becomes the focus of attention. You know, the the hats. I mean, usually when there's kind of celebrities around, you look at their their the dress Just, for yep. the for the women, and and uh, you don't even look at the men unless they have a, a wildly colored tuxedo on. Oh, but those hats. Wow! Did you do you make any? Did any of the hats you make uh, go to London?
3: Uh, not in the war writing, but uh, I'm, I I made a hat for uh, Rebel Wilson in the billboard uh, uh, ceremony.
1: Oh, Rebel! Rebel Wilson.
3: Rebel Wilson, yeah. Wow! For the yeah. billboard. Was it the Billboard Awards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other one is um, I sent a few uh, hats to uh, Harper uh for. Nicki Minaj to wear wow. and for the yeah uh, for now the Nicki Minaj conference.
1: I've heard of her.
3: <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she's you know, pretty wild. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, so so you've had a little touch of, of celebrity there.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Huh.
1: Now, I hate to say this, but you're not wearing a hat right now.
3: Uh well, because today is too windy. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. It is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So there's still I thought they had pins or something to put on, mm-hmm. in that case. But, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 Jana, how did you get to be like a, f- a co-founder of uh, Fashion Week in Minnesota, of all places?
2: Well, the last uh, 10 years, I have just been very involved with um, the local fashion community as a stylist and also as a writer. Um, I've written for publications, including uh, Minnesota Monthly, Star Tribune, uh, Vitamin, which was a production of Star Tribune uh, that closed a few years ago. All right. Um, and just been involved uh, with the earlier iteration of Fashion Week, which um, existed, you know, years before um, 2008, 9, 10, around there. And uh, you know, we just had been talking with uh, Sarah Edwards, um, who's a local stylist and producer in town. And she, you know, we were just like, this, there's so much great stuff going on. And we hear people saying, there's no local fashion here. And mm-hmm. we said, yes, there is, and we need to make a big statement of that and let's get everyone together and get them on a calendar and make a big noise with it. So that's what we did.
1: Hmm. I think it was Oscar Wilde or or one of those witty fellows that said fashion is something that's so terrible. It has to be changed every year. You know, it it comes and goes, but we do have the sense that fashion is kind of a transient thing because you do have every fall and every spring there's a new set of things. It's like, gee, what's wrong with the old ones? Why, do, why does fashion change? I mean, that's the sense of of you've got to be in it with it now or oh, those shoes are so last year. I
2: mean, I think we can all have our own, you know, answer to this. But I think, you know, fashion for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's a personal expression. And, you know, I hope most people are always constantly changing and we're always evolving. Changing, since, changing clothes. And so because we want to express that evolution and, you know, we don't want to stay the same. You know, there's always something new. What's new? What's exciting? You put something new on and exciting, and you get excited. You know, you feel really good about what you're wearing. And
4: yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and and I think about the artistry of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's so you know the artist is always kind of inspired, and you create something new. Um, and if you have, folk, I mean, it's kind of why do they make new movies every year, right? And yeah, You don't want to watch the same old <laughs> they're ones. They're iterations right. of, of, of the same exactly. thing, you know. Um, but the colors change. I mean, color palettes are always changing, and you could have something that was very muted, and now we want a very you know, vibrant kind of backdrop. And so some of it is just very nuanced, simple
1: changes, but they mean a lot to the end user. Mm. Well, there's some organization that picks the color for the year. Pantone. Yeah. Pantone. Pantone. Pantone, yeah. yeah. Now, I imagine you know God up there saying, "Okay, this shall be the color." I mean, <laughs> why does everybody agree, or don't they? I don't. I don't think we.
3: Well, do. I don't think we do. Actually, they 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 show the uh, about ten colors of this year. You know, or each season they show ten colors. You know, they think uh, it is good for that season, but most of the time, um, it's really depends on the designer's feeling and the creation. Mm. You know, so uh, we. It is only no to follow their uh, guidelines.
1: It's know? not a law.
3: It's not a law. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a promotional campaign <laughs> to promote Pantone. Is
1: what it is. So oh, okay. So yeah. they're the known as the the kind of the king color makers for for the year. Uh, but nevertheless, do a lot of people follow those colors? I mean, even though you might reject them, you don't have to follow them. Does it become dominant?
4: Well, I, I'd say some of the bigger brands occasionally yes. do. Because, you know, they, they want to stay tight to the vest to well, make sure they're, you know, on train.
2: And I will say most, you know, designer lines, they they've plan their lines out for the, you know, the year before. Mm-hmm. And so by the time they've already designed it and it's already been on the runway, you know, they're, it's not going to affect that choice because that's already happened.
1: Okay. Because so. the, the, the very timeline of, of conception, design, production, and then performance on the runway, mm-hmm. that takes how long? What, what a year?
2: Um. Uh, more than a year, I
1: would.
3: More I yeah. think so, yeah. And actually, I think uh, when Pantone uh, announced those uh, colors uh, of the season, basically they uh, did a lot of research. They have somebody to go to the uh, fashion show, you know, and see each designer what color they use.
1: So it could be the designers are influencing Pantone's yes, right. decision. Yeah. oh mm-hmm. ah, well, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I feel better now. <laughs> and and Houston, that's a good point. It's it's. Uh, The artists are always creating new things because, let's face it, life changes, and so there's always something new going on in the world.
4: There is. I mean, last year there was a big, um, you know, fashion and social consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, you saw it a lot on the runway, Mm -hmm. uh, signage. Um, One of my favorite designers, uh, Brooklyn, well, brands, Brooklyn Circus, they just released a new line called Criminal Minded, and they took their their um influence from you know Tupac and some of the Mm -hmm. early um you know chain gang they use a lot of stripes and a lot of oranges to kind of talk about mass incarceration of men of color you know so it's one of those you you get every year someone you know using whatever feeling or whatever whatever they want to emote um on the runway and it now more than ever it's very social um folks are really trying to make a statement with the collections that they're creating.
1: Well, it used to be, I mean, I used to cover the arts years ago, and there'd be some big political happening, and I'd ask an actor, and they'd say, well, no, I'm, I'm only an actor. I don't think about any political things, and I won't comment. And now, you're right, it's, it's getting all jumbled up, because you have to, kind of. Yeah. Social issues are affecting everybody. Everybody, I mean, art
4: imitates life, um, and more and more, the things that you wear matter. Um, where the money c- is going where the fabrics come from the meals that that the you know folks who are making these garments are working in local is huge right now um, mm-hmm. you know the the more local you can create right
1: um, it, I, I remember when you could only buy big brands of beer if you wanted something different you'd have to buy a foreign label and now they have all the craft brews yeah. so you're like the craft brew <laughs> 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 for the fashion industry right mm-hmm. yeah. so well and and craft that's actually a part of it. You need people to make these things too, mm-hmm. right, There's Jana?
2: a craft involved with it, and I think Karen can really speak to that too because um, <laughs> you are crafting well, everything. Yeah,
3: so basically um, all my hacks are it's my own design. They are my own design, and I handmade each of them. And yeah, so I bought all the fabric and then used the um, – I have a hat form in wood, so I just steam it and then make it into the shape.
4: How yeah. did you start? How did you wh- wh- start? Yeah.
3: Well, it's funny. I mean, when I was young, I was three years old. I always want to be a, a designer. And every At
1: three? <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. What because... Do you, these blocks. I don't like stacking these blocks. <laughs> I, I need... <laughs> better
3: block no i mean at that point i wasn't thinking about to be a millionaire i want to be a designer because my mom likes shopping (laughs) and dress me up you know so that's why i love fashion very much (laughs) and then um so unfortunately i cannot uh draw um, my idea uh into 2d so you you can't
1: you can't draw it out
3: I can't draw it out. I I can think about it, but I can't draw
1: So how do you get your idea on, uh, how do you communicate your idea?
3: So right now, it's all in my mind, and then I just, um, um, I mean, make the hacks by experiments.
1: Oh, so you actually go right to the head and and skip the sketch?
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, so, and then, um, so when I was growing up and I have low, low, uh, opportunity to learn uh, fashion design Until I met my husband And oh. he, he brought me to uh, Royal Escort um, In England So that is uh, another Like a uh, Kentucky Derby version Oh the
1: bigger racetrack Yes uh, And that's known for being Very fancy and fashionable right
3: Yes yes. So uh, the Queen uh, go, uh, Went to the Royal Escort Every day And people guess What kind of uh, bedding what color She wear today You know oh. Yeah, so, and then at that point, I'm thinking, well, maybe I can make my dreams come true. So hmm. I try to, yeah, learn from different learners in uh, England and Australia.
1: Boy, so you had a lot of good influences, uh, global influences. That's that's happening to the Twin Cities now. I mean, it's we've always had some global connections, and that seems to have multiplied a lot, whether it's through uh, business transactions or uh, immigrants or, or, or refugees. There's so much... Mm-hmm. Uh, international presence in the Twin Cities, that must bring lots of ideas for you guys.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it is, I agree, yeah. So, I mean, like me, I like uh, the Orient um, elements, you know, and so I, I just put the elements in, in my head design.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, Jana, have you seen a change in greater social consciousness and, and a greater global influence in the years that you've been involved in fashion?
2: I think especially in the last couple of years, you know, in the beginning, it was really just about fashion and wearing, you know, fun things and wearing, you know, shopping local, supporting local designers. But, yeah, it's definitely, um, I think, what Fashion Week has tried to do is try to hold up a mirror to what is happening in the Twin Cities fashion scene and just respond to that. So either people are reaching out to us to be part of the lineup or we are seeing great work that other people are doing and we say, you know, we invite them to be part of it. And just keeping our eye out for what's happening, I think you can really see with how the lineup has just expanded and become more inclusive and more diverse um, as we're connecting more and more with people throughout the community. Um, and there's, there's actually one designer that comes to mind, Aisha Umar. Um, her line is Fullback Closet, and she's, uh, I believe, from Nigeria, and she's showing a line um, as part of Fashion Week on uh, Monday. I believe it's the 24th.
1: Right, because we're talking so, yeah. we're talking fashion week what, yes. what are the dates for fashion week
2: it's the uh, officially the 23rd through the 29th um, of, of September, of September. Okay. and there are a couple events kind of a little bit outside of that boundary um the kickoff events on the 20th at the mm-hmm. at the W and um several other events throughout um within that time span
1: well I bet it gives people a chance to dress up to go to these openings right
2: exactly yes
1: so that's that's kind of the the um I'll do this quickly, but in, in, in my lifetime, uh, I was in football in high school, and there was something about getting your, uh, all your equipment on and your helmet and your shoes, and, <laughs> and you just felt ready. You just went out there and you felt ready. And I assume that's what fashion is, At at some point you, you dress up, you put on the right hat and the right clothes, and, and you feel ready to go out there and, and socialize in the world. Is, it, is there a sense of that?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, it's a uniform. I always say the wardrobe of an era reflects the times and the participants therein. So every era has a uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, from the '60s, there's a very similar uniform in every other decade. And so it's like these clothes, like the music, kind of define the times in which we live. Mm-hmm. Which is the importance of fashion to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, talking about the importance of fashion. And then in Minnesota, you have people like me that don't always stick with the, the trends, but we'll find out more about that when we return here on Synapse, Think Tank of the Air.
0: Synapse, Think Tank of the Air. We'll be back in a moment.
1: And we're back talking about fashion here in Minnesota, which almost sounds like a contradiction in terms, you know, fashion in Minnesota. And I, I think that the the overwhelming, you know, uh, uh, mainstream population is very conservative here. I mean, Minnesota, I think a lot of people think that they're so liberal, but I don't think they're liberal when it comes to displaying themselves because the old, uh, the Lutheran attitude, well, you don't want to show off. You don't want to stand out. But fashion—that's all about, you know, strutting and and kind of showing off and and um, like you say, self-expression.
4: Yeah, it is. You know, I'm a minimalist by nature, right? So so sometimes um, the the blue blazer, the white shirt, and the right jeans and penny loafers is very chic. And it just—it's it, not necessarily what you wear; it's how you wear it. Um, so to to your point i mean there are a lot of minnesota does strike me as being very conservative even some of the buyers there's some brands that we just don't buy here in department stores because you just can't turn it because by and large i think that is true when i go out to new york city gosh the 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 rail the, the train is like a runway mm-hmm. i mean i saw some of the most interesting stuff just riding the d train right like mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I wish Minnesota would be a little. And I, I shouldn't say that because there are a lot of folks. If you're in the fashion scene, who are very creative in the way they put things together, but you don't typically walk downtown Minneapolis and, <laughs> and see a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, no. Well, like I say, sometimes it sticks out. But um, uh, I should mention here we're talking with uh, Houston White, who's uh, kind of an entrepreneur. You got a barber shop and a, and a store, and plus you design things, right? Sure. So, and we're here with uh, Karen Morris, who's a millinery, or millinist?
3: Uh for
1: How do you milliner, call it? Yeah. Milliner. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> miller, a miller. Okay, she's a <laughs> yeah. She's a women's hat maker. And then we have uh Jana who's a co-founder and uh co-artistic director, I presume, some some fancy title like that for uh, Fashion Week Minnesota, which comes in uh latter part of September. Um the talking about uh, Minnesota is, is, is not quite the, the fashion scene as, as compared to New York, but I think it's changed a lot, even in the last couple decades, is to, to what extent is there kind of a fashion crowd in Minnesota? Just, just for comparison, in terms of theater, I think there are more theaters per capita in Minnesota than any place but New York, so it's something like that, but is fashion on par with that?
2: I mean, I think we have like our own unique uh, communities. And if you go to any of these events throughout the course of Fashion Week, we have 25 events. You will see people that have really unique, different style, and you know enjoy getting dressed and enjoy dressing up for these types of events and just in their everyday lives too. So um, it's just like anything else. It's this. It's a certain group of people, but they're going to be um, showing their personal style, and um, it's really truly unique. To Minnesota, Minneapolis, I think it's um, pretty eclectic. I think people kind of wear, you know, show off their individuality here a little, maybe more than the coasts. Um, we, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting mix of people.
1: Say that again. We show off our individuality more than the coasts.
2: I think personally, I think that um, you know, we we're not New York, we're not LA, and you think of New York fashion as, as very you know, stark, bold, strong kind of look and LA is very laid back. I think Minnesota is somewhere, you know, in between that and I think we're constantly redefining what that is. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Well, it's it's good to know that there's a strong fashion element because uh well just to spice things up if nothing else. I mean, to make the the place more interesting.
3: Yeah, I, and I think Minnesota is um is growing up. It's lot um as a mature market like New York or LA, you know, and I think yes, Minnesota got a history of farming, you know, people are more conservative, you know, and um. Yeah, but,
1: bib overalls and then the, <laughs> your hat yes. from some tractor manufacturer.
3: Yeah, but I think because of the um, uh, information uh, we I mean more more youngster got more information from the internet from social media, you know, and uh we see more stuff uh, from around the world and they i mean a lot of a uh, young. i mean they are trying to dress up now yeah so i think i think we are just going up you know i can see maybe minnesota in maybe in 10 years maybe in and other, other new york who knows you know
1: <laughs> hmm. Well, they, they, we keep trying to do that. I think for a while they're trying to call it the mini apple, thing <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, we're just like New York, but, um, uh, or the North Coast. Mm-hmm. We're the North Coast. I
4: think we got our own thing going, yeah, though. You I, know? I agree. I don't want to be New York. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I really like the vibe in, uh, in Minnesota, uh, and I like the diversity. Um, it's really fun to you know, be at a, a bar and see so many different types of styles. It, it it doesn't come off as inauthentic or trendy it's just like mm-hmm. to jonah's point it's personal mm-hmm. uh, and i
1: enjoy it you know um i, I like it you know hmm. now um i'm just imagining what the the flow would be for someone making a career in fashion is there is there an ideal that boy i'm gonna uh you know make some sketches sit in my attic and make some sketches and someone's going to pick it up and, and before you know it, I'm selling things all around the world. They're going to be in Target or, you know, some up, upscale store. Is that the dream of fashion or is it not everyone have those big ambitions? Well, I I guess I
4: can speak for myself. Um, my goal is to create an iconic brand. It's a slow, steady process. There's a lot of discovery. There's a lot to learn. Um, so someone say, oh, that looks like a Houston white. Yeah. You know, I want, I want things to be able to be, you know, to create things that are classic. And, you know, one of my... A new, a new I, classic. I, a new classic. I, I, I love khakis. Some folks are like, khakis are so like my dad. Dockers, are you <laughs> kidding me? But I personally want to kind of redefine the khaki, right? And that's a personal thing for me. And I'm, if I get it right, it's something that could be a 20 or 30-year staple. I could get it wrong and -hmm. that's okay. Uh, But the explorer in me just tries again and eventually, and I've had a lot of that. I've had some things I've created that have been very successful, very well received. Like what? Um, The most, oddly enough, the most successful thing I've ever created is a t-shirt with a simple slogan that says black excellence. Mm. We have that shirt that we shipped to Dubai uh, two weeks ago, mm. that was the wildest thing ever.
1: Wow! Um, did they did like a store ordered a bunch of them? No, uh, just on, on our website we had a Dubai uh, a Dubai order
4: come in because certain orders oh, are, they'll okay. come in as fraudulent or is this potential? And I'm looking and it's like whoa, like, that's a Dubai and multiple shirts, but it was a uh, you know one person. And Floyd Mayweather he wore our hat, um, mm. and it's been one of those very simple. But out of the park, kind of right time, right color, right logo. Because we have multiple logos, but there's a particular black logo that just resonates. You know, it's branding in the sense, like, you know, you see Apple or you see Gap, and that just
1: identifies with with people. Well, black excellence, too, that's a social statement.
4: Oh, very much so. Um, it's how I've always identified. I'm from the South, and excellence just meant that, you took pride in who you are. So you're not from the uh, the Twin Cities. I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, but you know, okay. I've been here for
1: 33
4: years and I
1: So you're still kind stalk. of a still kind of a newcomer, but <laughs> Kinda, <laughs> uh, you
4: know, we were having this conversation on social media. But, you know, um I don't know, you know, it's it's it, you carry, I'm, carry I'm, I'm fascinated because my grandmother used to make hats, and okay. this is like amazing to me sitting in in the in
1: room with the so hat yeah,
3: yeah. So actually, uh, making hats. I mean, to your question, I I feel like, especially my uh, industry is uh, got a very niche market. So, lot mm. um, like you. So maybe I mean, you sell t-shirt, uh, uh, design a t-shirt that can be self can be sold very very well you know sure. but um i I mean for the head um what we need to do is we want to have um some buyer to buy it and then all over the world
1: okay, okay. just so, like yeah, the, a big order
3: yeah big order otherwise uh actually it's very hard to um you know cover my you cover all the expenses you know
1: so I mean so when you since you don't draw a design mm-hmm. so when you make a hat does that become a model for other hats and so it's like make a thousand of these
3: uh yes i mean of course uh not only me make a thousand days that yeah that you, is impossible. It, but, but that's impossible that's like it, a sample yeah just yeah. a sample yes
1: so then you have somebody some yeah, a team.
3: yeah a team yeah yeah so wow. yeah so that is my um uh dream to do that because uh as i say um you know Hat just too niche, you know. Lot, lot, um, you need to create something pretty special uh, for the people.
1: Can you describe your best-selling hat?
3: Well, my best-selling hat, I think, is the top hat, the mini top hat.
1: Yeah. Mini top hat?
3: Yeah, it's just pretty small, like maybe uh, half of the, <laughs> the hat, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so mini top hat, because uh, I have a lot of... Um, um, when you mention craft, I have a lot of uh, customer. They uh, do costume, and they uh, maybe they work in uh, Renaissance as well, you know. And those top hats, they they their favorite. When the Renaissance festival, or uh, actually, it's uh, ongoing right now. Um, mm-hmm. Start three weeks ago mm-hmm.
1: until
3: first week
2: of uh, October. So more people Especially. that dress up kind of costume. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: Because yeah. uh, think of hats. I think. Uh, Historically, John, John F. Kennedy was famous as the first president uh, who didn't wear a hat to his inauguration. And then in the 60s, men stopped wearing hats, and now it's put on as kind of an Indiana Jones or one of those fancy things or, or like a Humphrey Bogart hat, those kinds. It's it's uh, it, it looks kind of cool, and, and I bet you feel cool, yeah. but it's still not really widespread. N- not so much. Uh, I enjoy hats. I mean,
4: my favorite is the Newsboy cap. You know, nineteen twenties, thirties kind of style. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I see a lot of it in the barbershop where especially in the fall, where where you know guys are wearing different types of hats. It's not the the common thing that it was years ago. Um, Everybody had to everyone wear.
3: Everyone had. Yeah, yeah and yeah. men actually, men love hat more than women. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they 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 just love hat. They, um, um, they Will very appreciate uh, the craftsmanship of the hat.
1: Mm. Yeah, so it feels good.
3: Yes, and they will ask for the uh, the most uh, good quality, you know, and mm. they don't care about the price, you know, but they just want to have a good hat. Mm. Yeah, so mm. it's quite interesting. Mm. I mean, yeah.
1: One of the things that puzzles me here in Minnesota. I mean, it gets, what, 20 below, and then there's a wind chill for another, drop another 20 degrees off that. And people walk around with no hat. I mean, <laughs> what is it about they don't want to wear a winter hat? I mean, it's so cold, you lose uh, like 90% of your body heat out of your head, that's one, or, yeah. or, or, or it could even be higher. But yeah. wh- why don't people even wear a hat in the winter?
3: Well, I still think, as uh, as we mentioned, uh, I mean, Minnesota fashion Still going, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know, and um, I think people just saw a lot of uh, uh, Minnesotan. They didn't have a hat on. They scared. They they scared to if I wear one, people think I'm I'm crazy or <laughs> weird or something like that, you know. But um, but you know, is we just lead somebody coming out and wear the hat and everybody follow. Be, mm-hmm. be more um, courage
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, to wear one. And yeah. I say whenever I wear a hat, I get so many compliments on it. Yes, and exactly. So, you know, if more people saw more people wearing hats, yeah. it would become more normal.
4: Yeah, yeah I totally. Agree. <laughs> and some of it, I think, is the hair, too. It's like, I don't want to mess my hair. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or when you don't want to do your hair, though, then... Totally. Then, oh, yeah, a, totally. then you
3: can wear your hat for a day. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. don't need to take yeah. it off. <laughs>
1: Good. Good. Uh, talking here about uh, Fashion Week Minnesota with uh, Jonna uh Karen Morris, and Houston White. Um, do you think you're having an effect on people? I mean, can you see people wearing your stuff when you go around? Yes. Um, I, I get
4: phone calls all the time or text messages or random sightings <laughs> from <laughs> all over the country like i saw somebody in your stuff you know? <laughs> um which has been part of the strategy for me is the brand and get notoriety i have some very to your point niche stuff that i want to yeah. do but i think if when you're trying to create a name for yourself it's important that people know you because yeah. it's like it builds a little bit of brand equity mm. so, oh if it's coming from them it must be it's very hard to break into the fashion scene mm. in, a, in, a, in the from the luxury or very high-end um, price point um, just because folks compare you to existing, long-standing designers. And so it, it's been my approach. Not that it's the best. It's just mine. Uh,
1: mm. But, yeah, I, a lot of folks call and say, I've seen your stuff. I saw your hat. <laughs> I saw your shirt. Well, well Jonna, now you, you mentioned that, that you've written about fashion. Have you designed anything yourself? I mean, do you put your put your hands into it?
2: Uh, no. I've, but I've I've enjoyed working with designers uh, as a stylist, and that's been um, fun to help kind of interpret pieces that they've created.
1: What's a stylist?
2: Um, so I have uh, basically helped create and direct shoots where you know I I will come up with a concept, and this isn't always the case. Um, but I usually have been the one to come up with a concept or collaborate on a concept. And help make that come to life with clothing as a big part of it. So there's this dress so the clothing and accessories.
1: And you put it all together and to make a scenario.
2: Right. Right. And usually there's, you know, several images. So all those, you know, looks, how do they connect with each other? And usually there's, you know, a theme and a story that you're trying to tell. So I, I kind of look at it as storytelling. You know, I, I write and I'm a storyteller in that way, but I've also been a storyteller with fashion.
1: Well, so clothes are like paragraphs for you. You just put them together.
2: Or like words and sentences. And sentences, yeah. <laughs> little
1: things. And so makeup would have to be part of that.
2: Um, so that's usually, you know, it's a makeup artist so, or hairstylist, and I'm not, Well, you know, that's people, finely trained people. That but do you that. direct but, that. Um, a lot of times I l- it's usually a collaboration or I might give, you know, here's the general, you know, vibe we're going for, here's the story, and let them sort of. Have their own interpretation of what that is, and you know, have their own um, contribution to it.
1: Well, wow, a fashion shoot. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> another thing that sounds odd in Minnesota. Uh, I can't talk to you right now. I'm on my way to a fashion shoot.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's not a t- there's not a ton of it anymore. Um, but you will, you know, you might see it a lot more online. A lot of online publications and social media. You're seeing shoots uh, be presented that way not as much in in print anymore um just with you know fewer and fewer publications hmm. um, but then people are turning to social media and they're turning to uh, web to to make those visions come to life so
1: what do when you have your um, uh, fashion week do the tv stations come
2: um uh, we, we do usually do some um co- you know we'll go to the actual tv studio and usually sometimes bring some models that are styled previewing some looks and then they'll talk about it in advance um, I think maybe a couple times they've they've come and actually shot, but usually it's more of a preview. Uh,
1: can a model make a living as a model in the Twin Cities?
2: Not as a runway model, <laughs> as a commercial model, you you could make a living as in the Twin Cities as a commercial. model. Oh, doing
1: doing commercials, but not just showing off clothes.
2: Um, commercial model meaning uh, more you know, advertisements, right? Less fashion focused less edgy. More, you know, this more, more, more relatable sort Sell of this shirt. <laughs> yes. Um we definitely have uh, you know, that industry here. Um huh. but to be like a you know, runway model, you're, you're not necessarily making the the big money doing that, but that's sort of usually the the fun thing you're doing and a way to get your name out there and a way to get experience.
1: Okay. Well so. there's a there's a career waiting to happen in the Twin Cities fashion model. We're here talking with uh people f- that are participating in uh the upcoming Fashion Week Minnesota in later September. The uh, co-founder, John A. is here with us. Also Karen Morris, a milliner from Hong Kong. And now maybe you'd learn how to make those Minnesota winter hats. Yes. (laughs) So doing that. And then Houston White, who was a southerner, now he's on the north side. Is that right? Yes, sir. You uh, switched around and focusing on Black X. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Synapse, think tank of the air we'll be back in a moment
1: and we're back on synapse think tank of the air with uh, Jonna Pelliquin Karen Morris and Houston white and um, you know I I'm older than all of you I just add all your ages together that's probably my <laughs> age but but uh, some of the things that I, I, I mentioned that you I dress to feel comfortable. You know, I'm one of those. But I also dress for the occasion. I'll change this. You know, I've got a tuxedo for that. I've got cutoff jeans for that. And, you know, you just whatever fits in. But um, my wife and daughter are my fashion critics. <laughs> and they'll say, Dad, you're not going to wear those socks. Are Everybody wears these cutoff socks now. And it's like, you know, you do something for so long and it's just so normal. But yet you, you you don't fit into the world anymore. What what am I supposed to do? I always say, do you <laughs> be myself. Well, thanks. whatever
4: feels comfortable. I'm, uh, a, I'm gonna get one of those your, your t-shirts. <laughs> well, that's fashion, right? It's it's what feels comfortable. Um, and there's many roles to play in the fashion industry. Some folks are very good behind the scenes. Uh, they're stylists. Um, it's kind of like one of my favorite hip hop groups, Nerd uh pharrell is very much so out front but one of the most important parts of that group is you know chad the, the his partner very few people know who he is but you know that's fashion where you might have someone who's a brilliant sketch artist and has probably zero fashion sense but they hmm. can visualize things so mm-hmm. i always say just do you play your position hmm. and we all have a little bit of style hmm.
1: albeit you know okay I'll tell him that. Tell him that. <laughs> tell him that. Yeah. Any, any advice from you, uh, Yeah, I Karen? agree with
3: Houston, uh, you know, um, because to be honest, I, I, I'm a designer, but uh, I don't dress up quite often because I just want to make myself feel comfy, especially when I make the hat. I have a, I mean, I need to have a lot of uh, action, you know, and uh, different kind of posture to make the hats. So I want to dress up. Uh, comfy,
1: you have to be flexible,
3: yes, mm-hmm. and also, I mean, you can dress up very nice uh, and follow the trend, but um, but when you go out, you don't feel comfy and you walk weirdly, people just laugh at you, you know, people don't think you are fashionable or, or anything, you know. So, just be, be comfy, be yourself.
1: So it's, so, it's not merely the clothing itself, it's how you feel in it and how you exude. Uh, yourself in it mm-hmm. oh totally yeah hmm. totally. any any advice from you jonna do you do you walk down the street and say oh that's the ugliest outfit i ever saw are you a critical fashion person
2: oh you know once in a while something will catch my eye that's really horrible and i'll i'll notice it but for the most part i i just notice when people are wearing something interesting and cool and I th- I don't know. Sometimes I think bad taste is better than no taste. You know, <laughs> I think if something catches my eye, I think why did that catch my eye and that's interesting. But I do think, um, you know, you can definitely tell when someone is not comfortable and they are not confident with what they're wearing. It's it stands out for the wrong reasons. And mm-hmm. I I say wear what makes you comfortable. You know, I've I've done some personal styling for people in the past, and you know, you you sort of look at what do they wear, what are they comfortable in, what are they attracted to. And then, how do I just elevate that a little bit and kind of push them a little bit out of their comfort zone? Um, but you never want to put someone in clothes that are just not them because mm. they won't ever feel comfortable. They won't feel good about themselves in that. Mm. So I think that's the most important thing. And I'm not judgmental about you know people how they how they how they dress. You know, everyone's just you have to get through your day and be comfortable doing what you need to do. So mm.
1: boy, uh, some of it's superficial. The uh, I remember when I was a kid. Uh, somehow uh, in our neighborhood, there, it was very fashion conscious, but in a ra- rather shallow way. It's mm-hmm. like this is in. Right. So you've got to do that, otherwise you're out. And so I think in in, uh, in those days it was uh, button down shirts. You had to have a button down shirt and there was a little loop in the back. You had a shirt that didn't have a loop. Oh, you weren't in. And so it's not that you were expressing yourself. You're just trying to, to uh, portray what some ideal that somebody invented. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in style and you don't want to fall out of style just to be cool. Yeah. But then I look at it, it's not very cool to just try to follow the template. They
3: just they just because, um, you know, when you have a lot of them besides you, that inference will put you uh, dress up just like them, you know, and in their mind just, oh, this this should be normal. If you don't follow this trend, you're a lot normal, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: That's why you see a lot of people walking along the street wearing the same thing, even though, you know, you're, they're not twins or mother-daughter trying to look the same, but they just tend to buy the same kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting now at this time we're in, I feel like so many things are in style. There's so many, you know, trends, quote-unquote. It's, but things aren't really going out of style. It's like that, thing that we were wearing five years ago is still cool you know there's not you know it's bohemian it's minimal it's all over the place and you know there's it's you know a lot of sportswear influences but there's still like glam going on there's all kinds of things so it's sort of hard to be out of style if you're doing something that you know if you're if you're wearing something and you like it I think you can just own that.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's about authenticity, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, authenticity it's, is in style. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's not. I'm feeling pretty authentic today. It's not necessarily what you wear; it's how you wear it, mm-hmm. um, and it is about personal confidence. If you're mm-hmm. confident, and the outfit could be completely hideous to someone else, but they feel your confidence, mm. <laughs> and and they could grow to be <laughs> persuaded otherwise. Like I didn't like that at all, but you just you're rocking it. Mm-hmm. Oh. You can
3: you can have a a jersey, <laughs> your sports jersey, be fashionable, right? <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, then, you know the the models. That, that's that's the stereotype. The model is like uh, some super skinny person that might be beautiful, um, but not how most people look. So, how do you idealize a garment on a runway, knowing that it won't look that way with a normal person on the street?
2: I I think that there's a lot more. Um, Body diversity, racial diversity, happening in, in age diversity, happening within the fashion industry right oh,
1: it's now. It's changing. I, I hope
2: that that continues.
1: So I'm using an old stereotype.
2: I mean, it's it's still maybe the mainstream, but I think it's more and more. You're seeing brands use models of different sizes on the runway and different, you know, colors of the skin and even like older models you're seeing and. Um, more than ever before and I think that's a promising because I think people do you know I think they're realizing people want to see people that look like them wearing the clothing you know and say well I can wear that like I can relate to that I can picture myself in that
1: I know you're seeing more uh, in the advertising world more large sizes than before it's becoming a thing right because many people are (laughs) Or or uh in the larger size area?
2: Right, there are a very very tiny percentage of people that are a size zero and and a <laughs> size, five foot nine. So. Is that really oh, a yeah.
1: size zero? They wear zero.
2: The uh, the tra- traditional models on the runway. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: Gosh, that's like nothing.
1: Yeah, I, mean,
4: it, I always for me personally, I I like to create things that I can imagine my wife or my sister, um, or my unborn daughter wearing one day. Um. It it is important that the models... Our last time on the runway was during Black Fashion Week, and we had a model. um, Our first model up was has has been in the industry for quite some time, and she was referred to as a mature model. Mm -hmm. Um, She's in her 40s, uh, but still beautiful, um, but didn't fit the traditional mold, but absolutely works the runway. Mm. Um, So I think it's important to put people on the runway that reflect the reality of most of the population. Hmm. Um, Nothing against, I mean, the bold, high, traditional, you know, very thin, that can be, that's fun too to see at times, but it shouldn't be just that one standard. Mm
3: -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so I agree and um, sometimes when I create the hacks, um, it also depends on the style of the products and I create something, why Bream is I mean, they meant to uh, uh, go to maybe higher age uh, women to wear you know. And when you find a model uh, like uh, what uh, twenty years old, you just feel the the feeling not really compatible, you know. So um, yeah, I I now I use uh, any like uh, skin any skin color or you you tall
1: or short or, or, I mean, whatever age, you know, to wear my hacks as a model. Hmm, so it changes. I had a kind of a realization. Now, this is back, back in the 80s. I had a couple years in a row where I was able to spend some time in Paris and then some time in Montreal. And um, the thing that I noticed, now, Montreal, uh, they have like a couple streets That are kind of like paris you know full of all these cafes and stuff and so then i I hung around there and what i noticed was in montreal everybody was really trying to be cool wearing new fashionable clothes and looking very sharp but in paris sometimes it could be you could tell it was older clothes but then just the way they had a scarf the, they had style, so it, it's like there was greater authenticity, even with the old clothes. Just making do with what you had, rather than just getting all new stuff and strutting around the cafes. So.
3: Yeah, I think so because that's why there's a lot of book uh, to show you how the French woman uh, mm-hmm. dress, You know, because they don't they don't buy. I mean, no. I mean, I would say they will use all the uh, existing clothing, just dress up, maybe just. As you, as you say a scarf or a jacket or just roll up the the sleeve you know and you can create a free sharp uh beautiful uh, appearance already so yeah so i think i think we know need to buy every i mean every time you need to buy
2: the new thing to make yourself sharp, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can make just make use what you have hmm. i think yeah. it's more stylish to look like you know to not look like you're trying too hard you know yeah
1: Right. Yeah, that's what it came off as, mm-hmm. you know these people are so shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something's a little not n- natural, not natural.
4: Yeah, it's kind of like the red wing boots. You know, the more you wear them, the more mm-hmm. worn, the better they get. Um, and you see guys just riding their bikes with those red wings and the jeans rolled up. To me, that's a fashion spread. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, it's like a lifestyle spread, you know, because these clothes should be meant to be lived in. And some things um, that are worn, I, I noticed a woman at um, IKEA a couple of weeks ago. She had some penny loafers on, and I had been looking for loafers forever. But she had the the the, the, the what I say the real ones. Mm. And I um, she inspired me to go home <laughs> and get a line, and I
1: ordered some. But she said she had them for 25 years,
4: mm-hmm. uh-huh. and they look fantastic. So. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Well, that's what's good about having a classic fashion that that's always good, mm-hmm. and then um, and then still seeming fresh, yeah. That versus some fashions that look so old, that that they're they're done. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like it's never gonna be cool again in its life. Mm-hmm. And you think of anything like that? Like, what did they have the culottes or some sort mm. of? Uh...
2: Yeah, I think part of the reason that I'm really passionate about local fashion, supporting it, is a lot of these pieces they are made really well. They're made to last Mm -hmm. years. They're not about this quick trend. It's really about, you know, really timeless pieces that you can have in your closet and it's for years and it's worth spending the money on because, like you said, you could have something for 25 years and it's still holding shape. It's still together. It's not just a trend. It's not made with poor materials. So, you know, you're spending a little bit more but you're able to keep that for decades maybe. Hmm.
1: Is there much do-it-yourself fashion in in the twin cities people making their own clothes just to wear for themselves or or is it maybe
2: in like the the punk scene you know the the underground i don't know yeah you know
4: a lot of the african designers Mm, i see a lot um there there are a few but it's very time consuming Mm um it's hard to it's hard to make garments from head to toe (laughs)
2: yeah i mean you might take something and kind of customize it i i see a little bit of that you know and I, you know, I think some of us, like I have very basic skills with the sewing machine,
4: but I could, you know,
2: I could do a little bit of something to kind of tweak the fit or mm. customize it and make it feel a little special or unique. Mm. But,
4: and there's yeah. some up-and-coming, you know, uh, manufacturers here in the cities. One of them, I, um, I went to a class, Clothier Design Source. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, you know, they are making things here in Twin Cities. So obviously, it's more of a mass production, but they're a limited run. Manufacturer kind of in the 250 range, which is very small for mm-hmm. manufacturing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but they make you know quality goods. Um, but part of that formula then is that it's each one's more expensive to sell, right? The the bigger the run, the cheaper it gets. Sure, sure. Which is why a lot of folks are manufacturing overseas. Um, uh, do either of you do that? Get a template and have it made in China, for example, where it might be cheaper to produce, or at least before the tariffs. <laughs>
3: you know um i think uh because actually my background also uh on merchandising you know so i have a lot of uh, experience to uh, deal with the chinese factory but uh to be honest uh what you make you know what you make and you send to the uh china to make it you can see a big difference
1: it doesn't you know? come back the way you wanted it
3: uh you know, I can tell you they can copy for well. You can't see the you can't see the difference, but the materials they use, mm. or um, it's just not. You don't feel like uh, got the unique point. You know, that's what uh, all the designers wants to bring out through their fashion. You know, you need mm. to get your product unique, you but Main China just uh, yeah, just factory. You can you can tell
1: mm. yeah. Okay, well, we're we're running out of time here. I just want to talk about the future. Is there is there such a thing as trends anymore that kind of hit all areas of fashion, or is it so diverse that it it really uh, you really can't say? So the question is, is there a trend coming up that you foresee? Uh,
3: so maybe
2: Jenna.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jenna, you, I, need
2: I mean, to you're about the that. writer. I just you, think I think we're moving in this more global, um, you know realm with, you know, help thanks to social media and many things like that. And I think a lot of different styles of fashion are being influenced by each other. There's a lot of cross pollination. You know, you're seeing sportswear being brought into like couture. And you know, you're seeing sportswear brands embracing elements of fashion, you know, more high fashion. So I, I think there's just like a lot of cross pollination, a lot of collaboration, a lot of various influences, very um, you know, a taking a little bit of this culture and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and putting it together into something new.
1: I That's think. like what's happening in food.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that Jonna made a very good point because I see it. Collaboration. I collaborate a lot with artists. We do something called SMART Collections and it's showcasing multicultural art through fashion. And it's something as simple as either a jean jacket or say overalls or a leather coat. We take and we have an artist paint an original piece on it mm-hmm. but in a t-shirt since we'll mass produce maybe 50 and then the artist will sell the actual um original and so it's just a unique way for folks to participate in art and fashion and mesh them up and, and that's what I see a lot of out of the box thinking like what is couture what is high fashion what is sportswear mm-hmm. It's kind of re in this mode of redefinition mm-hmm. and it's fun it's a really fun time to be um, in this industry. Hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds wide open. Any any final
1: comments there? Uh, well, Karen? I think,
3: yeah, I, I agree with uh, Houston and Jenna too. Um, I think more uh, collaboration uh, is the trend, you know, and right now in my uh, upcoming uh, fashion event, fashion show in um, Fashion Week, uh, I also work with different designers to uh, put their uh, dress elements to my hat as well. Hmm. So, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, well, we're about out of time, but where can people go to find out more about Fashion Week and to make reservations to go see all these creations?
2: Yeah, uh, the calendar is listed at uh, fashionweekmn.com. And you can buy all tickets to all the events. Uh, some of the events, I know your event is unticketed free Houston. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, So there's some a couple free events, but there's also ticketed events as well. And you know, all these producers, the people that are putting on these shows are usually the designers, uh, the brand owners that are Making this happen with, you know, they're trying to get, uh, get it together with limited resources. So buying a ticket to these events helps support what they're doing in their businesses as well. So get out there and buy those tickets.
1: And they won't make fun of me if I show up wearing those socks that my wife hates. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They'll just assume you're making a personal style statement. Okay. So. Totally. just go
1: there. Just You'll be, start a trend. Just be confident when you go. You will be the unique one. <laughs> Yay. Okay, well, thank you so much. Talking with John Pelequin, Karen Morris, and Houston White. And buy all of their things. Wear some new hats and T-shirts uh, uh, in the upcoming year. Uh, that's it for this edition of Synapse Think Tank of the Air. I'd like to thank Dan Culhane, our producer du jour.
0: Thank you for listening to Synapse. Think Tank of the Era. I'm Leo Espinosa. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,